Hi, and welcome to season five of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody, it's Bob again, and I've got a very interesting book here The Amazing Science Fair Project. Uh, Gary. M. Nielsen, and he's way down in New Zealand today, so it's, it's quite cold. It's sunny and, and uh, hot up here in Canada, but it, it's quite cold down there. Uh, but what's interesting about his books is they're written for uh, kids. So it's a little bit different today, but uh, I'm very curious to chat with him uh, about this a little bit more. And uh, this is uh, Project Kids Adventure number three, so there's several in the series. So to get started... Uh, Gary, why did uh, why did you decide to uh, approach these books this way? Um, well, I've always liked telling stories and uh, and, and and writing since I was a since I was a kid. Um, but of course, when I was a kid, I didn't have anything interesting to write about. But when I finally, you know, got my my, my act together and, and, and wrote my first book back in 2012, and of course, you're excited about it, talking to people. Um, I was uh, sharing sharing about that at a project management conference in Vancouver, and uh, someone that I spoke to said, "Well, that, you know, that's really great because you know the, that book itself is different because it's you know it's story based, right? It's not like a novel, but it's a whole bunch of little vignettes in there." Um, talking about different lessons and so on, and they said, "Well, that's a really interesting idea, but you know what your your next book should be?" They said, tongue in cheek, "Is um, project management books for kids in the middle school?" I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was uh, that was a bit of a challenge, and and uh, and frankly, on the on the flight home from Vancouver to New Zealand, I was uh, I was really kind of like, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm going to tackle this thing." It's uh, you know, I haven't tried writing dialogue. It's going to have to be dialogue in this book. I haven't tried writing dialogue since university, and it was practically horrible. So, can I actually do this? Of course, um, something that helped me is that I have I have three boys, and my youngest two at the time were nine and ten. We were exactly in the middle of that target market for the you know eight to twelve kind of year old range that they were looking at. Because um, what they'd identified is that, and they were actually from the Project Management Education Foundation, which is non for profit work in the schools uh, and and helping to up you know teach practical life skills to, to kids um, based on project management principles. And they said there's nothing, there's nothing in the world um, in that age range right now. They have something for like kindergarten, they have lots of stuff for the high schools, they have nothing, no, nothing for the middle schools. So I was like, hmm, okay, well, I like telling stories, I like writing, this sounds like a really terrifying challenge. <laughs> but for my kids helping me, um, we can probably make a go of it. So, so that's 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 how it started. I came up with a couple of ideas and then passed them by my my expert audience at home, and uh, they chose the first topic, which was the uh, the ultimate treehouse project. Um, the the haunted house project became second one, and I started writing, you know, nervously. And um, after about fifteen rewrites of the first three chapters with my kids, we started to get into something that was actually starting to look like a good book. Well, you know, I've shown this book to several people because it, it, it does stimulate conversation. And, and the thing that is fascinating is people not actually understanding how important project management is on a day-to-day thing. It, it's something that we kind of all do. We, we manage our lives, uh, but we don't really look at it like a project, like a, a 
professionally. <laughs> it would it, like I'm I've got a goal and how am I going to get to that goal? Let's break it down and what's the best use of resources? People just like jump into it and flounder around and at the end of it they may have accomplished what they tried to do, but they might not have done it in in a very uh, orderly way. And for kids to be taught this I think is really really important. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's not something that stifles creativity or anything like that. It's not like you have a prescribed method of doing things, but it's making making um, kids more aware of you know I guess their choices and, and how they approach things because you know their their capacity and capabilities when they're kids is actually far more than we appreciate as adults. I was a, a scout leader um, first time round for about ten or eleven years before I had my own kids, and they're also in this same age range, you know, ten to thirteen, and. Um, you know, kids can just be kids or you can, you know, you have to forget that kids are actually going to become adults and they grow into adults eventually, you know, along the way. And it doesn't happen magically. So when I started as a leader there, of course, I was a very young leader, you know, in my, my, my late 18s, early 20s kind of thing. And man, I didn't know anything about project management. I didn't get into that until later. But we had some really good leaders in the group that were really good at you know organize, organizing activities, but also getting the kids to develop their, their own skills. So I was very, very fortunate in working with that group and then leading that group for that, that troop for a couple of years. And I was back in Delta. And the, um, the interesting thing that, that we found is that the more constructive challenges and, and support and encouragement you gave them, the, um, the, they just absolutely flourished. It was just stunning, right? You, do, you, you think, wow, an 11-year-old kid can do that, right? And whether it's organizing camps or, or just basically starting to organize and, and, and plan, you know, effective, fun things. You know how kids, there's different types of kids, uh, and that's by the the time they get to the, the middle years, that's kind of what their personality is going to be like. If they're a little bit uh, sloppy, they're going to be sloppy for the rest of their life. If they're really a neat freak, they're going to be a neat freak for most of their life. By introducing the concept of project as a project, and that sounds really strange, but I don't think kids think like that. I think a lot of adults don't think that way. Will it hardwire them to think that way? I, I think so. I, I, I think you know, anything, whatever you you learn and you repeat, you you know you reinforce, and that becomes your your patterns and your your habits and your way of life. So anything that you can do, you know, whether if you just look at you know someone that's doing video games, you know, four hours a day and or two hours a day, whatever it is, and then plus weekends, you know, they're going to be very very good at video gaming, but that may be the primary interest. So providing them with some additional ways to um, think about the world and experience them um, is, and then encouraging that is, you know, it's definitely helpful. Um, you know, some, a lot of people, adults included, think that I'll just read this book and I'll be an expert at it. Um, everything that we learn in life, you know, comes through, you know, repetition. So you can't just read something once and say, I got it. You know, you'll, you'll fail that test because you'll have forgotten half the stuff in the first day and a half kind of thing. But um, being able to apply it and make it fun, um, it, it's kind of like sneaker learning. It's uh, teaching them teaching them practical skills in a fun way so they don't even realize they're learning, which is the way of uh, approach of a lot of, uh, I guess, gamification style of learning as well in classrooms today. Oh, for sure. I think this is a, it's an excellent... Um example of the gamification of knowledge uh, for, for kids that are at an age where they have a 
a hard time picking up a textbook because they just don't relate to it. It's like, ah, that's boring. Unless they're very, very into it, and then they're, you don't worry too much about those kids anyways. But the kids that are struggling with reading and struggling with taking a science text that's very, very dry and actually trying to get anything from it can be quite challenging for the teacher as well as the student. So I love that this book is doing this. Yeah, well, the, the, the practical use for a lot of those, those uh, dry textbooks is, is makeshift pillow. <laughs> exactly. So, so anything better than that is definitely going in the right direction. Um, but interesting, you should you should you should mention that because um, like a number a number of, of people that I know, um, they have um, it t- tends to be boys usually, but um, uh, some children that don't like to read, and they um, you know gave my book uh, one of my one of the one of the kids books to them to get started on and they actually started enjoying the reading process through that and um not just at the you know 8 to 12 year old level but there's a, there's a colleague of mine that is uh, actually using this the these series of books at the at the high school level as well um, for kids that have some um, different aspects to their approach to learning in terms of how they're wired, and uh, some some kids are not very abstract; they find the abstract thinking very very challenging. So what she found is that uh, a lot of the lessons and stuff and, and the way the stories play out in these books is, is more at the concrete level with abstract things introduced and the uh, the, the kids at those those kids at the high school level absolutely clicked with with the books as well so it's actually hitting um, you know several different audiences well I I know some people in business that should read this book because yeah, well, it- <laughs> <laughs> they're not reading enough business books. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to try and get more business people uh, to continually educate themselves. Like you said earlier, just because you've gone to school and got a business degree and, and or own a company or run a company doesn't mean that you have to stop learning. In fact, it becomes paramount that you continue to, to read and, and read many, many books. And, and the problem with books is you read one book and then you say, oh, well, then I'm just going to do it that way, not realizing that, no, you have to read many, many business books and then see the common thread that you relate to so that your management style uh, fits uh, based on your knowledge base, not on one book. And, and that's a, a major problem. People say, oh, well, I read you know this book or that book, and then I stopped reading. And it's, wow, you must be a terrible manager. And, and the key thing there, of course, is is that if you just read something, because I mean, I've read lots of books, and I have, there's lots of them that I haven't applied, but the ones that have really stuck with me, I know I, I took those lessons with and, and tried to apply those in my life, and those are the ones that made the difference. The, the interesting point is, uh, I guess, that you just made, and in terms of you know managers, is the the, the way that I. I, I see these books and how, or maybe how they're actually materializing is they're they're really good for like the eight to twelve year olds or the thirty plus. Um, one of one of my colleagues um, bought ten for his staff, his managers to learn something. Goodness sake, out of, about project management because they just you know don't have an, a concept of what it is. So we figured it was an easy introduction. You know, it, it's funny as it sounds. It is very effective. Some of the the most um, popular book uh, are super simplified or or one hundred percent allegory in the sense like um, what was the book? Uh, Who moved the cheese? And really, the the premise of that book, if you read behind the story, was that things in life change. Get used to it, or you're going to be in a lot of trouble, and you have to evolve as 
your life evolves and you know sometimes the cheese is not going to be there and you're going to starve so get up and move around so I, I think books that approach education on a slightly different angle um, are way way more effective than a lot of the books that are coming out today for sure and and the, and the really um, you know exciting thing for me is that um, it the the books are, for some kids at least, yeah, are are making a very positive difference. Um, a friend of mine who she doesn't her, her kids are too young, um, just you know like one and two kind of thing. But her nieces are you know around ten and eleven, and they're both both lovely little girls and absolutely nightmares in the kitchen because they would love to cook and they would just you know without announcing it to their mother they would just go in and they would just tear apart the kitchen and they say i'm gonna make this thing miss mom we're out of this mom we're out of that and you know rushing off to the store and all the houses in disarray and then they finally get their cookies or whatever it is made by the end of the afternoon um so my my, my friend you know gave the first book to to the, the two girls, and they both read the book. And shortly after that, the mother came into the kitchen, and uh, the two daughters were standing at the counter, side by side, with a piece of paper and a pen. And she said, what are you doing? She said, we're cooking. She said, what? So <laughs> oh, it's really cool to plan, Mom. We, you, know, we got, you know, we do this, 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 and we have everything organized and ready, so we don't have any, you know, we have everything prepared. She's like, what have you done to my children? <laughs> It is, well, it's fantastic because, you know, as a parent, the more you insist on doing something a certain way, guaranteed that the kids are going to be doing it the exact opposite because that's just the way they are. So to be able to have tools like this and say, hey, you might like this book, check it out, Uh, or if they discover them on their own uh, in the school library or at, uh, at the main library is awesome. One of the things that really I found fascinating is there are, like you mentioned earlier, no books like this about project management and yet on uh tv there are hundreds of well not hundreds of many 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 educational shows about mathematics or about reading skills and all the basics are there and yet they don't feel that project management would be classified as a basic learning tool yeah so well i I guess one of the thing things is that there's a there's a big uh, misconception or, or misunderstanding about what project management is. They think, ooh, project management. Um, that must be really tough. But d- project management, of course, as you know, Bob, is not just one thing. It's it's a whole discipline of, of different skills that you mix together. It's it's dealing with people, it's negotiations, it's planning, it's budgeting, it's, it's uh, tracking things, actually getting things done, right? So it's the whole suite of, of things that are involved in getting things done are basically apply to project management. So, and as you said earlier, everybody does that every day to different degrees. And if they're not conscious about it and they just bumble along and we'll, we'll eventually get dinner made, um, you know, it's, it, it's a very different experience compared to when you say, okay, I'm going to plan what we're going to have for dinner. Do we have it in the freezer? No, I have to go to the store, you know, at two o'clock, not at five thirty when you're trying to cook and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's not rocket science and, you know, as 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 I've said in some some um, different talks and articles, um, project management is so simple that a kid can do it. Yeah. The, well, the thing is, uh, if you really don't have the fundamentals, it is very difficult to do well. But it's easy to teach. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's like you say, it's many many small things 
the the what's that famous line uh, the whole is greater than the parts yeah you know it, and like anything in life uh learning is a project and i think like you hit it on the head when you say it's it's a almost like a lifestyle it's it's a decision to do things a certain way and then just kind of make it part of your the way you you live life it it's uh it is fascinating uh, like if you watch the kids that you know, one is spending a tremendous amount of time getting nothing done, and the other one seems to be always has their stuff done uh, and has the luxury of reading a book because one's organized and knows what to do, and the other one seems to like shoot from the hip. Oh yeah, I've got some of those at home. <laughs> so for for you know the different type of kids that read this book, does does it affect them differently? You know, the ones that like to shoot from the hip, do they they take the learnings from the book and just take some of them, or do they actually uh, get more organized? Um, I, I think it will always vary by the, by the, by the kid. Um, you know, those that are are prone to be organized are, you know, more encouraged. I think, and those that are a little more, more um, you know, easygoing or, you know, more lazy, um, in, in their approach to certain things. Um, yeah, it, it. I think it does make a difference. It, it uh, because it's it's not um, a a lesson book of this is what you do and this is what you do and this is what you do this is what you do and and otherwise that'll happen. It's the stories. The books are all written around you know eight children. You know they're they're when they start off this series they're they're ten and eleven years old. There's four boys, four girls, there's some brothers and sisters and, and twins and all that kind of stuff. So you get all the kinds of typical tensions that happen with with kids and then the fun stuff too and they're basically you know living out the, a story uh they want to do something they want to build a tree house in the first book of course the boys want to build a tree house and then they run immediately into trouble because they don't have skills they haven't done any planning they just like slap dash we're gonna found a tree we're gonna get some boards up there and grab some nails and go and it's like, oh, does anybody know how to tie a make a rope ladder? Well, no. Um, of course, the girls, um, and girls of that age do tend to be a little bit more organized. Not, not always, but in general. So the, the girls, one of the, one of the sisters comes along and says, well, I can help with that. And they're like, no, go away, you're a girl. Right? It's like, which happens a lot. And, of course, she, um, she says, but I know how to do it. She says, no, go away, you're a girl. So she goes and talks to her father, who happens to be the project manager, sort of the source of source of lessons. And um, he says, "Well, why don't you build your own?" She's like, "What?" He says, "Well, yeah. I mean, you girls are just as capable. Why why don't you go build your build your own treehouse?" She's like, "Oh, okay." He says, "But you want? Do you want to make a better treehouse than your brother?" She's like, "Well, yeah, because there's the competition between brother and sister, obviously." He says, "I want to make a way better treehouse than Ben." And he says, "Now." Do you want to do it easier than your brother? And she's like, wow, better and easier? How do we do that? So then he starts teaching her some very basic um, concepts around, you know, um, breaking down your work and, and planning and things like that. You know, and after about, you know, literal hour in the book, and you know, of, of not real time, um, you know, she starts to get tired, roll her eyes, says, that's enough for tonight, right? He doesn't push it. 
And of course, he starts off with the, the the terminology of, oh, well, you know, every project has, you know, the initiation phase and it's got planning, it's got execution and it's got, oh my God, dad, they don't kill people. No, they don't. <laughs> um, you know, and then and close out and then the you know, project control is like, dad, can you put those into some terms that are a little easier for me to understand? So he comes up with, you know, think, plan, do, finish up. Right. And then the control part is, you know, lead, check and correct. So the kids start to own that process and they, um, and the girls get together, they start to plan and, uh, you know, so they, they, uh, they go and they, they, they organize how they're going to go and, 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 and find a tree in this forest, right? Because it's this park forest, right? It's not a huge forest. It's, you know, one that's in a city block and, uh, you know, they start scouring the forest and they suddenly realize, man, there's only one big tree, and my brother's in it. But it's a big tree. And and Dad said, I could have half the wood from the fence he took down in our backyard. So maybe we should share. <laughs> so, yeah. So so there's, there's there's lots of fun stuff that happens in the books. And and, and all the kids that uh, have, have, have read it and reported back, or the parents have reported back, have found them all very, very engaging. And because the, the kids develop and grow as kids develop and grow you know the books do follow in, in sequence the kids get older they learn more skills they do more stuff so there's you know just a few basic concepts are covered in the first book then you add a little more on the second and a little more on the third and by the time we get into the fourth book which will be out um, later this year early 2016 which is the valentine's day project disaster um they have to deal with a whole different set of skills as they learn to engage with an entire school. So there's all the stuff about negotiation and you know, and um, and and convincing people to do stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well, that, you know, that's interesting because that was going to be my next question: is how do the books progress, and and can you read them out of order? It seems to me that you should start with book one and and continue through. I think you sh- you should. I mean, if you pick up you know, book two or book three, you can start reading it, right? Just like most most novels, you can pick them up, but, you know, there there's references back into the previous books that don't stop you, but they do link them together. Um, and the, the books do flow. So um, the first book is in the springtime. So, of course, they're over the summer. They're going to make this treehouse and then enjoy it all summer. Uh, and then the second book, you know, they're back in school. Um, the third book... Um, starts the day after the second book, literally. So, um, and then the gap between the the third and the fourth book is, you know, essentially like Christmas holidays. So there is a, there is a definite flow in terms of timing. So the kids gradually get a little bit older, but uh, not in great leaps. In the back of the book, you've got this amazing glossary. But one of the things that really stood out for me was the uh, the Project Kids team, and you basically, you know, describe the kid and and. It goes back to their skill sets, like running, climbing, swimming, building. Um, I thought that was fascinating because a lot of people don't, you know, when they think of a project, they just think of the project. They don't think of who am I going to utilize in my team to tackle the project and who would be a redundant skill set and and who isn't a redundant skill set, which is a tremendous learning uh, experience. And then it's also got a great section uh, for teachers and parents at the back so that they can be involved. And uh, I think that's critical as well for learning. So for you, um, why... Why is it set up this way? Uh, I mean, beyond the obvious reasons, uh, was it that you studied other kids' books and just said, "Hey, this is a good idea. 
basically because you were going to be preparing for the project of writing a book? No specific series, no specific books. I, um, you know, I wrestled with it for for you know, many, many weeks on how am I going to approach this. Um, so before I really started writing anything, I, I had developed, you know, kind of an approach that kids will need to grow. Um, they'll develop from book to book. Um, the, the books has to have to be really fun, right? Because the thoughts are, well, is this going to be kind of like the adult book where it's kind of broken up into kind of little lessons or stuff? And it's like, or, or does it need to be a full novel? Oh my gosh, it's terrifying. But that was the approach that, uh, um, you know, seemed to be the best fit. And, um, you know, so not not and and you know this validated through through my kids' teachers as well because I basically wrote the first half of the first book, um, got that past my early editor's stage to the point where they were enjoying more than 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 um, providing feedback on things, but they did still provide a regular feedback. You know, bedtime story time is excellent editing time, really, and um, and then gave it to um, three of my uh, my kids' teachers to review, provide feedback on, you know, what's the language level like? Is it, uh, you know, in terms of the words, uh, what is the, you know, the, the storyline, you know, reading level like? And, and what did they see in terms of, you know, am I hitting the audience correctly? And, you know, they provided some feedback and I did some tweaks and, uh, yeah, so the, so it, um, I guess, the the thread, I, you know, other other series of books that where the kids progress is, you know, just one of the models, um, rather than having kind of a random thing. Because there's lots of kids books out there um, that are just you know independent. They'll be like you know adventure number six and adventure number twelve, but they're really not connected at all. But because because learning has to happen right so the kids develop and grow when they learn um it wouldn't make sense to jump around randomly hmm. let's talk a little bit about when you were writing the book uh and and putting it together and and basically streamlining your massive knowledge of of projects uh and, and how to manage them and, and make them happen into uh a basically a, an interesting story for children for you what was your aha moment where something really crystallized you knew it was a reality but when you were writing when you were putting in this new form you said wow i really get that part about project management much clearer now um i i think the communication aspects and making sure that you're dealing with the appropriate target level whether it's you know kids or or the ceo or your manager or your peers is how you formulate your messages um you know just in day-to-day life or you know, when you're writing a book is is very very important because it's very very easy to miss the mark um any any day of the week you know if you're not if you're not clear on you know okay you know the, the the CEO needs a one-page summary, not a fifty-page document. I mean, that's an obvious one, but there's more subtle things as well. So we always always can improve in our communication, definitely, and uh, making sure that whatever you're trying to convey fits um, what the the person you're talking to is. You know their experience level, what they'll they'll understand um, is definitely the best way to go. And I guess in in terms of um, planning and doing the books. I found an interesting thing uh, about three quarters of the way through the first book, because you know it's, it's it's quite a challenge to essentially have eight character, eight primary characters that you're you're trying to develop um, uniquely and and keep track of them, um, but have them all kind of grow. And I found about the, the 
three quarters of the way through the first book that it's like, oh, okay, well, no, Amanda's going to do this. It's like, in my head, it's like, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just totally not in character for her. It's got to be Becky. Um, was, you know, I, I was just really kind of shocked to find that the, the story became um, – well, not self-editing, but like directive of not, that's just not going to fit. Um, that someone else has got to do that. Otherwise that will, you know, that's, that's nothing that she would do. So that was kind of a surprise in terms of the, the writing process. I mean, you hear about it, but it's, it's, it's interesting when you first see it and experience it yourself. Yeah. Like the, the, the characters writing the book for you, um, and being true to her character. And I, I think a lot of books that don't, um, have a good flow or, or become very difficult to get through are, it's been written, not driven by the characters or not driven by the, the underlying theme in a consistent way. And I think that's just the way the brain works. If, if you, the brain is picking up patterns, millions and millions of patterns all the time, and if it's a non-consistent pattern, then it has a hard time doing logic leaps. And if you're trying to learn at the same time, that makes it even more difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely experienced that in reading, you know, some different books where the, the writer becomes in your face because the um, the the language changed or, or or things just seemed out of out of order or out of context, and that really does disrupt it. So, I mean, of course, any writing is all about the immersive process, um, but um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the the nice thing, I guess, is that um, I haven't had so far anyway um, any particularly negative feedback in terms of oh no you should have done it this way um, particularly from the kids level um, and, and granted you know you don't hear from every kid who's read it but but universally they've, they've, they've basically come back those that have come back and provided some feedback and said give me the next one <laughs> hurry up hurry up tell him dad tell him he's got to finish writing the next one so and that, that's a pretty good sign I think um, do you feel that project management is, uh, people perceive it as this um, boring, horrible thing, a monster of, of uh, reality that they don't want to get into or they don't want to learn because it's perceived as a complex, uh, difficult thing with too many acronyms? Well, I, I definitely think there's a, there is a, a big perception out there. Like if, you, if you asked 20 years ago, People would say, "What's project management?" Um, you know, people are much more aware of what project management is now. Um, you know, particularly in business. Um, you know, but in general industry, that it's not related to business. Or, you know, or, or people at home, they don't necessarily really know what that is, which is fine. Um, so, anything that they're not familiar with, or or conversely, are overexposed in a highly rigid fashion at work. Um, definitely says, oh, yeah, projects, we don't want to do that. That sounds like tough work. I mean, I mean I, I, I'm working, I've worked, for the last few years, I've worked in, you know, in government sector and previously was in the private sector, and there's a totally different level of documentation and, and bureaucracy and procedures around around um, managing and running projects, which, you know, when I first came in, I was like, oh, that's horrible. Uh, you know, given the environment and, you know, eventual turnover people and the longevity of keeping track and supporting these things, you know, it all makes sense. But if your exposure is, all right, you have to write a 75-page document before you can start your project to get the approval to write your 150-page document to actually, you know, do the requirements and so on and so on, it's like, oh, no, I'm just going to go home and golf. <laughs> Yeah, well, I it's it's I think it's uh 
it's interesting because you know, as as a non government type person running a business, um, <clears throat> when I am confronted to deal with uh, anything to do with the government, you know, like uh, getting permits or taxation and stuff like that, I hand it over to an expert that is accustomed to uh, that type of procedure and that type of that level of paperwork and and uh, dotting the T's and stuff because that's just not my thing. And I think that's a big learning thing uh, that these books give is you don't have to do it all yourself. You, you're not – it doesn't make the project le- less yours by having five people do it instead of you doing it yourself. And that's a huge, huge life lesson that uh, I run into with managers that think they're great managers but they micromanage and they, they're not doing a good job. They're just frustrating the people around them. And if, they, if they're given enough power – then uh, they tend to do the project themselves, like 100%, and people are just sitting there waiting to be told, oh, and do this little tiny thing, and then they do it, and then they're sitting waiting. So it's a, it's a massive waste of resources. Oh, oh, definitely. And, and you know, in terms of core messages, uh, I would definitely say that, you know, from the books, you know, as in practicalities of life, um, you know, the, the team makes everything better. You know, as long as, of course, you work on having a functional team and not a dysfunctional team where everyone's <laughs> arguing all the time, um, that kind of thing. But definitely uh, the um, the, le- the lessons of working together and providing the individual skills and expertise. I mean, if you want drawing done, you go to Alice. You know, if you want, you know, logical thinking done, you go to Tim. You know, you, you know Amanda's fairly natural leader, all that kind of stuff, right? And then you've got, you know... Ben, who has, um, you know, he's boots and all into everything as fast as he can, kind of, a, you know, so you have a whole different kind of mix of characters that provide different levels of energy and input and everything else, and just like you would have in a real team. Well, I mean, working in the real world, uh, that's really what it's about, is sitting around in a meeting and trying to make the meeting number one functional, but also understanding the people that are at that meeting and communicating to them in the way that they like to be communicated to, which is very challenging because, like you say, the person that's thinking at a thousand miles a minute is like he's already as he's already got the concept or think they've got the concept and just wants to leave the meeting so they can start. Whereas the more analytical person needs way more data and then they need some time to think about it before they're going to make a comment. So a lot of times when I'm running a meeting, I because I'm a million miles an hour person, I'm constantly biting my tongue and leaving huge pregnant pauses in statements uh, so that people have the opportunity to analyze and then actually make a statement about what we're talking about. And then at the end of the whole meeting, I say, and if any guys have any more ideas or input, you know, please send me a quick email or a note uh, about uh, your new ideas. So even after the meeting, I'm, I'm inviting people to get back to me if that's what they need they actually have to leave a meeting and think about it and get back to me in a day later. And I think it, it's, it's giving permission for people to act a certain way and be themselves instead of forcing them to be, um, oh, this needs to get done right away. Because it, it gets done uh, less efficiently <laughs> by that person that you need to, to do it uh, efficiently. Uh, and that's another big learning that I'm getting from you know, these type of books. Yeah, because certainly if you have someone who's like, I know how to do that, then that's the only way things will ever get done. And you know, while other people in the room have lots of ideas on how things could be improved, you know, the, 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 
the whole leadership thing of being able to manage a team and get the best out of them is is a really really difficult. You know, it's a really really fine art. And I was uh, very fortunate to um, to start off my career with with a manager who was just like that. And uh, I'm still trying to get even close to where he was. You know, this this many years later, um, and I'm not there yet. But he was he was absolutely fantastic in blending teams, getting the best out of people, and 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 keeping the Keeping the the active hundred mile an hour people, you know, engaged and not bored and wanting to leave, while letting the the the, the, the more thoughtful thinkers catch up. Um, you know, he was he was a really good role model uh, for that. And um, you know, in the you know in 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 the stories, we try to reflect some of that because some of the kids are a bit quicker and some are a bit slower. Um, they definitely have their own personalities and opinions um and uh you know things don't always work smoothly and uh and then you know when the team doesn't work smoothly you know things tend to start to fall apart uh have you thought about doing this book in a graphic novel format i haven't yet so the 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 illustrator for for all of the all of the kids books um is actually you know a youth himself he's i mean he's an adult now but when we started the the first book and you know, because I figured out what kind of style it was going to be. So I'm going to need to have, obviously, a cover. But I, I don't want lots of pictures in there, uh, you know, I did at the time. Um, but more as a, uh, you know, the, the chapter face, you know, single feature piece of art and then little mixing spacers of different things. Um, as we're not requiring too much art, but still being fun and, uh, and and still being very much about the writing with, you know, some fun bits in there. And so he was 15, when he when we started on that first book, um, so he's he's just um, just turned eighteen now, um, so you know young adult. And uh, the interesting thing was, of course, um, for the books we actually had to tone down his ability because he was writing, drawing some really fantastically detailed you know pictures and stuff. And it's like, okay, we want this to be you know more kid like and not necessarily that much detail. What <laughs> what's the level of detail that we need to do? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. His mom says, you mean like Scooby Doo? And it's like, yeah, that level of detail, yeah. So really had to um, to simplify the approach to that. Um, and in terms of, you know, versus like, you know, something out of Alice in Wonderland, you know, with really fine detail stuff. So, um, so haven't, haven't yet considered the graphic novel approach. Um, you know, who knows? Might. Well, it's, a, it's, like, it's yet another project. Uh, the reason I actually mentioned it was, uh, there's a guys, uh, we did a, an interview with some guys out of uh, Europe, uh, and it was, uh, the book was, uh, also, it wasn't about project management it was about dealing with people in an office but they'd written it like a, a graphic novel uh but for adults and and it was an amazing book because they basically had taken a a very large business book and honed it down and simplified it and simplified and simplified until it got down to the core learnings and then got the illustrator to fill in all the stuff they'd taken out all the descriptors and stuff into a storyline and uh it was for them it was a fantastic project they really really enjoyed it and and it's a type of book that you can go through and kind of get some very fundamental stuff about management techniques and risk management in like a two-hour thing so it's, it's very effective for people that don't have time that's that sounds great. Um, 
Yeah, so at this point we've got the books. We've got the website, the Project Kids Adventures website, um, projectkidsadventures.com, um, with you know, resources, background information, and things like that. You know, so it covers a lot of the core things for you know, teachers or parents. But what's this? What's this thing called project management? And talks about the phases and things that are involved in it, and the, the key skills and learnings and core areas and stuff. But also has you know, coloring sheets with you know the questions, questions from the books, things like that. Um, so the kids can have some fun drawing because you know everyone loves to draw color and stuff in, and uh, also uh, just a range of of, of worksheets. To, to support the learning process or, or working through projects. They're, they're all available free on the website. You just need to register. You know, that's, that's a very interesting point that if you uh, take the time to, you know, educate your kids or, or bring it uh, as part of the uh, curriculum at your Girl Guide or, or, or Scouts meetings and say, hey, this is our, we're going to read this book as part of our, as part of our, our, our badge, right? And make a badge around it or whatever. Um you yourself will learn to become a better manager because teaching is the best way to really, really get down to like understanding something to the nth degree. Oh, I would definitely agree with that. So I've, I, w- I will say, you know, other than being a parent, I have not yet taught children, right? So other than, oh, sorry, that's not right. So I work with scouts and stuff for a long time. So there's lots of teaching there, but like in terms of, you know, a classroom or anything like that, haven't, haven't taught children. Um, but I have done lots of adult teaching through my work career. And so, so if I told you, Bob, that you were going to be attending a course that was four weeks long and it was all on system and database internals, would you run away screaming? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so, you know, and a lot of people would. So this is actually a course, you know, through work that I developed because no one else had done it. You know, no the developers hadn't created this, you know, consistent enough data dictionary to be able to work with this stuff. So I actually took that on as, you know, a case of the sideline, um, you know, in during work to get this done. And then I presented, you know, a, a book like basically a manual um, of all this stuff written up basically in a fairly, you know, conversational style and said, you know, we can turn this into a course. And they said, oh, cool, go for it. So I designed a course, you know, modular kind of a course that dealt with all these things, you know, based on, you know, and again, the, the details become very, very specific, but the approach and the delivery is is much more digestible. So... Um, what I learned in, in, in working with the, the people in the classes is you really, really have to tell stories. And uh, you, know, you have to get your messages across, but you have to do it effectively. You have to do it in a way that's fun. You have to keep them engaged. You have to keep their eyes open, you know, take breaks, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, you never do it right the first time, but, you know, after, after a few deliveries uh, of, of the course... Um, I actually had people in a written format and verbally come up and say, that was the best course I've ever attended. And for something that's four weeks long, not all at once, it's spread out over a week, then a break, and then a week, then a week, you know, spread out over several months, to have someone come back and say, you know, for that much investment of effort and potentially brain-melting time, to come back and say that was the best course they ever they ever had attended was was really kind of high praise. And I was like, what did I do right? So, and you know, reflected back on that, and um, 
the, the the approach of telling the anecdotes and keeping things interesting and lively and and balancing that out was was the, the key t- uh, lesson I took from that. So when I started writing um, a blog, you know, for first time, which is you know a lot of the first non work writing I'd done for a long time back in 2011, um, I decided, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell stories uh, with lessons. So every single article. Um, on my blog, you know, which you know, a lot of those you know just slotted straight into the the first adult book uh, are you know interesting, fun, relatable, you know, concrete example kind of stories that teach particular project management concepts. So I started doing these things, these different these different articles, and um, in I guess March of two thousand and twelve. You know, a colleague of mine said, I've just published my first book. I'm like, what? I didn't even know you were writing a book. And he says, how did you do it? Oh, well, I, I self-published. And this is what I did. And, you know, went through the mechanics. And you're like, you know, I've been wanting to write a book for a long time. And I didn't have anything to write about that I thought was useful or fun or interesting. And, and I looked at, well, maybe I could, you know, this this writing project management stuff is kind of fun. And, of course, I, I, I value it as a, as a skill and enjoy doing it. And I looked at, well, well, how would I approach a book? Well, you know, because you don't want to be like everybody else. So, well, we'll start with the beginning and go to the end, you know, like the project life cycle. And then I just kind of laid that plan out and I looked at what I'd already written. It's like, I had already half the chapters written and they actually slotted right in. So then I just had to identify the additional, you know, steps and knowledge areas. And between, and, and the writing just happened fast, really. Uh, between essentially May and the beginning of July, I had the book done. And then out for review and editing and everything else. And it was published and available in September, which was really, really fast. But I'd already written half the, you know, I had to go back and edit. But but the because the chapters were all, you know, lessons. And I was getting very, very good feedback, you know, on, on, on LinkedIn and on the blog and everything else about, you know, makes about how those particular articles make things really easy to understand, right? So for example, you know, one of the very popular articles out there, you know, is on risk management, which as you know is a a quite a taxing and challenging area and domain for for a lot of things. And but, you know, this helped cover the basic concepts. I mean, we're not trying to teach to like advanced project managers. It's the people that are getting started. And the the article was entitled, Everything I Needed to Know About Risk Management I Learned from My Pocket Umbrella, right? And another very, very popular one, because the, the articles and, and the books are also being used at the college level as well, because um, the articles are free and everyone likes free, but, and, but the books also. Um, very popular one is... Um, uh, developing exceptional requirements: lessons learned from ice cream and the Spice Girls. <laughs> well, it you know that's the whole thing is is demystifying, uh, making it fun. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, he was well known for demystifying wine tasting, and that's he sold a lot of wine by doing that. And he basically went in every day. Uh, Five days a week, and he would t- taste five wines in in front of one camera, and use 
common language and say, yeah, yeah, I suck on a rock and then I chew on some feathers and that's the flavor I'm getting from this wine. It sounded insane. But he was basically showing the audience how you train your palate in a fun, entertaining way uh, around many, many short, fun stories. Um, and I think that is the way to educate people is to keep them um, occupied, keep the brain active, a lot of uh, interactive back and forth going on. And really not enough of that's happening. So to, to have a book come out that kind of approaches it that way is, is amazing. Uh, before we go, I wanted to ask you, what's one thing uh, that uh, our listening audience can do to become better project managers other than, of course, teach this uh, project manager skills using your books? Um, I think the most important skill that is very, very uh, underutilized, I think, is is listening. So... Because ninety percent, you know, and they, they they throw that number at ninety percent of of you know project managers' role is communicating, um, but practically, you know, ninety percent of most people's role is communicating. Actually, uh, listening and not just you know blathering on is 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 the is a fundamental skill, and and it's also um, listening, listening slowly, if that makes sense. My my grandfather. On my mother's side, was a very, very you know wonderful man, but he hardly spoke at all. It was really just frustrating when you were a kid because you're bouncing around and you're talking about this, and he would just sit and kind of smile and laugh a little bit sometimes, and then every now and then he would say something, and um, and it would be really right on the mark. So. you know, while, while kids and a lot of people like to run around at 100 miles an hour, and of course, we're all encouraged to do more with less and do it faster and everything else, but it has to be high quality and everything else. Um, and the best of your ability is everyone's trying to do things so fast that and, and work together so fast that they just miss each other. They, they, they miss the point. They miss the messages that are trying to get through. So taking the time to listen and to you know give people time to listen uh, to you know in those conversations in your meeting rooms when you have the 100 mile an hour guy and you've got the person that takes you know he'll take another minute and a half to think about it or two you have to allow that time you know particularly in the team setting so listening and allowing the time to listen is is where you're going to get value and, and we're not encouraging that anymore these days, you know. And it, it may may make me sound old or anything, but uh, but the reality is, you know, it, it's not that we need to be faster. We and, and yes, we need to be work smarter and everything else. But we actually have to slow down a little bit and listen better to go faster. Uh, we've been talking about Project Kids Adventures. Uh, I've got book number three in front of me and book number one and two, I think, are in the kids' rooms. Uh, this one uh, I'm holding is the Amazing, Fair, <clears throat> the Amazing Science Fair Project, and we've been chatting with Gary Nelson today. Gary, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you very much, Bob. It's been a pleasure. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show, and do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week.